This is Puck Year, New Zealand's hockey podcast with hosts Logan Swinkles and Joe Jury, bringing you the best stories and interviews from down under. Hey guys, welcome back to Puck Yeah for another edition of Hockey Down Under. Of course, I'm your uh, host Logan Swinkles. Joining me as always is my co-host Joe Jury all the way in uh, Auckland, New Zealand. I'm still based in Sydney, Australia for the time being. Joe, buddy, what is on the show this week? This week, Logan, we've got reaction to the double IHF stripping Belarus. Of their world championships. Ooh. We also head to Nova Scotia for our interview of the week and the Queenstown Cup streaming and heaps more. Oh, that's right. And uh, if you're new to the show, welcome. Uh, we love to have you here. You can follow the podcast, subscribe on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and of course, we're on YouTube. That's why we got all the cameras rolling. Uh, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook as well at Puck Here NZ. But I want to start off the podcast so far today. I'm going to crack open this beer. You're going to hear it. It's going to sound beautiful. Oh, mm. that's a crispy. Oh, God, that looks good. Crispy Pakia oh, Pilsner. That looks good. Uh, this is for uh, Tim and Sid in Canada. They are guys, the show itself, and the guys, uh, huge inspirations of mine. And then the news has come out recently that Sid is leaving the show after they've just been this dynamic duo for a long, long time. So I'm for the rest of the podcast, I'm going to be... Mm. Sipping on that beer. Oh, it's so good because it's yeah. hot in Australia right now. We're in a heat wave. They're well, not dead. Get... Yeah, he's not, not dead. dead. He's just le- he's just leaving the show. He's just leaving the show. <laughs> yeah, he's not dead. I'm not dead. Uh, let's get into it. Double HF stripping the worlds away from Belarus. And of course, uh, a lot of controversy around this, Joe. We had their reason and then the real reason basically mm. the double hf put it down to safety issues uh and i guess probably a blanket reason being COVID 19 uh but there's a lot more going on there when you sort of look under the surface uh, a lot of r- unrest i would say going on in belarus with the re-election uh, of their president Alexander Lukashenko, or as many seem to, uh, as many uh, call him out as online a dictator. <laughs> I love it. There's a dictator. I love that. I'm going to keep just that. emphasize the the dick part on that. Right, I'll dick. say so. So Mike, my, my <laughs> Joe, my question is here is: Should the WHF have acted sooner? Well. <laughs> Their, I mean, their bullshit claim that it was, it's all COVID, blah, blah, blah. This guy, the the like the president of Belarus, he's an a-hole. So <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like man up and do it for the, for the right reasons rather than just this bunch of bullshit, which they're talking about. But it's not like these, I mean, we've seen it so many times, these federations just, just so... <laughs> slow moving and safe with everything they do so it's not a surprise that it's taken this long but yeah it should have to put it under the veil of covid and pretend that you're kind of doing it and everyone's safety and for the for the right reasons but not actually the right reasons is is classic big um ioc 
Yeah, no, that's a that's a good way of putting it. Obviously, just trying to appease uh, the big money where they can. Of course, you know they were getting pressure from sponsors as well, from the likes of Skoda. Uh, fans have been protesting pretty hard on their social media. I've seen, especially uh, on their Instagram, there was a great uh, comment from uh, Anav, who's a Belarusian. She says she's a lifestyle Instagrammer, but um, I won't call her an influencer because she only had like six hundred followers. So I mean, what? How can but. you call yourself a lifestyle Instagrammer if you've only... I've got 600 followers. Yeah. And right? I'm definitely not an influencer. So, <laughs> Well, maybe you need sort. to be. Maybe you need to yeah. be, Joe. Uh, but her comment was great. She said, your reputation is under a big question. It is sad to see that people like you benefit from European rule of law and safety and then go and hug dictators. By the way, the hug dictators uh, comment was a question that's come up or a, a statement that's come up a lot from fans towards the WHF. This will not be forgotten, she says. So we are not saying thank you for this decision. We think you should be thankful to society that helped make you uh, make you do it. Um, so I think that's pretty poignant there. And of course, uh, friend of the show, BHL uh, Marku was on Facebook as well, basically called WHF uh, president Rene Russell a puppet and needs to be removed. What do you make of that? Uh He's he doesn't get a good uh, he doesn't have a very good reputation old Rene Fassal. Um the probably the only good thing about him is his sweet mustache, um, <laughs> but even that doesn't really save him. He's like this hot, the relationship he's had with the NHL and the Players Association has never been any good, and, and he's always it's always seemed like he's just using them for um, to make money for the IOC and and that hugely hugely corrupt uh, organization. Um, so yeah, Marku's got a good point on that and Marku's a great man. I think he's actually in this building right now <laughs> and he's, he may be smiling softly and quietly to himself knowing that I've just mentioned him and we've mentioned him on the podcast. His like spidey senses are tingling. Um, but aside from the WHF, of course, we are also a couple of weeks into the uh, NHL season. Uh, it's a much different look this year with the realigned divisions, obviously to create uh, a unique bubble situ uh, situation. To be honest, it's the most I've been excited for hockey uh, in years. I, I didn't get involved in fantasy hockey this year. Uh, one, because uh, I have a kid now and I just, I normally go real deep into fantasy and I just haven't had the time. And yep. I did fantasy NFL and COVID really screwed me over. So I'm not prepared to let that happen to me in fantasy hockey as well. Um, but uh, I'll get to you first, Joe. What are some of your uh, impressions and observations so far from these first couple of weeks of the NHL? I mean, fuck, it's just good to have hockey back, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, the bubble was a weird thing and it was kind of surreal. There were so many games at some weird times and then all of a sudden it was just over. Um, to have it kind of back where it's like the, the proper season, even though it's shortened, but to have it back is just really good. It's kind of a bit weird still getting used to with the, the no crowds, except if mm. you're in the, the weird states like Texas and Florida where they're allowed to have a certain amount of people, which is really weird when you're watching it and you're like, hang on, those are people. Why are there, <laughs> why are there people in there? That's not um, a cardboard cutout. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've kind of like it how they've, they've adapted things and they've started putting like, um, just to make money, I guess, like logos on the glass and a bit more like um, augmented reality logos on the ice and everything like that. Um, it's kind of cool. It's just pushing the presentation forward a little bit more. Um, 
I'm guessing they can't have those logos on the glass when the crowd comes back because they'll complain. <laughs> One thing that I thought was weird that some stadiums still have the, the netting up around the back of the glass, around the back of the goal, which is you're like, why do you have that if there's no crowd? So you might as well just take it down. Um, but I like the divisions, and I know you're a big fan of the, the We the North division, as some <laughs> people are calling it. Um, but it's really cool, and, and I like the schedule, how it, you go and play the same team three times as like a mini baseball kind of schedule playoff series. And the, the hatred is just kind of building up from that, which is really good. Mm. Yeah, it's we're going to see some awesome rivalries just build and build, and like it's just going to ignite especially come uh, closer to the end of the season and then going into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, some of the things I've noticed, obviously I'm a massive Punishing Leafs fan, uh, been really surprised by Justin Hole. I, I liked what I had seen of him previously, but somehow he, he's grown his hair long and now he's just this amazing player. He's, he's really surprised me. And then have you, the, um, I, have you watched Succession, the TV show Succession? No, I haven't. Anybody who has watched Succession, um, Cousin Greg, Justin Hole is a, a, a ringer for Cousin Greg. So okay. a, a, a little bit of research for people out there. That's, that's a little bit of research for me too. I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, and then on the other end of things, of course, uh, I've noted PK Subban, the struggles uh, seem to continue in New Jersey. I know it's just not seem, seeming to find the right home for him. Uh, and testament to this is he's now getting chirped comfortably uh, by dudes that only have like 22 games in the NHL yeah. under their belt. Uh, tr- this is it's amazing tough. if you've seen it. Yeah, Trent Frederick from the Boston Bruins. Uh, I'll read out the exchange and I, I want to know what you think of this, Joe. So uh, Subban gets tied up with him. He says, I'm going to fucking beat the living shit out of you. Frederick says, you want it. Subban, when I'm ready... So Frederick goes, let's go when you're ready. Subban says again, when I'm ready. And then Frederick goes, all right, and do another workout video. Post another fucking workout video. You fucking loser. How amazing is that? I mean, it's a really good chirp by, uh, by uh, Trent Frederick. Um, a little bit cheeky, like <laughs> being a kid that's only played 20 games in the league. Like PK is a, a prominent player and deserves a bit of bit of respect i guess um but it's a fucking funny chirp like you got you got to hand that to him it's pretty good yeah and uh i mean obviously pk is definitely definitely not loved in boston uh harking back all the all the way to his days with the montreal Canadiens. uh so i'd love to see more of that uh i bet he's a freaking hero now in boston after that that was amazing yeah yeah uh so we touched on it before the uh, nhl divisions uh you got the four divisions but what I really want to know is, should the NHL continue these divisions uh, beyond the season? What do you reckon? I think every single person in Canada is going to be wanting it to continue. Like, all you hear now is just, it's fucking crazy. Like, hockey Twitter in Canada was crazy enough. <laughs> and now you go and put it, so you're only playing the Canadian teams every game. And everyone in Everyone in Vancouver and um, Winnipeg hates all the Kachaks and the Kachaks are like the most hated people in Canada and <laughs> Connor McDavid's playing every day against Canadian teams. It's it's really, really, really good from that perspective. And why do we why do we have to have geographical based divisions? Like why not have this the way it's split up now? It kind of it makes more sense. 
The yeah. uni- I mean the the baseball M- MLB, their divisions are split all across the entire country. I guess because there were two leagues coming together. But now, if they're going to roll the schedule of you playing in the same city like three times, then do you actually need to have geographic based ones? I think it's at least give it a go for a few years, and if it doesn't work, change it back. Who cares? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I guess it's probably down to the travel, but I mean, with the schedule makers, if they just continued on with this uh, baseball style schedule where you play in the same kind of area, you know, for like two to three days and then move on, I mean, I, I don't see why that couldn't work. But uh, let us know what you guys think. Hit us up uh, on our Facebook and Instagram. Uh, do you guys think the NZ, the I was going to say the NZHL, should the NHL continue these divisions beyond this season? But before we get into uh, our interview of the week, I want to get into uh, some of the reaction from uh, our return, Joe, uh, our hot and fiery and steamy return to back into the podcast world. Seems like it's been pretty good. Uh, it was a hell of a uh, hell of a way way back in with that massive news that. I went to the rink and there was, seemed like every single person was like, have you seen this news on Puck here that they're adding another NZH show team? I was like, well, yeah, I was kind of in the podcast, but it's okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just people are buzzing. They want, they're pretty stoked that we're back and just helping put the spotlight on, on local hockey. And I know a lot of people have now reached out wanting to do interviews and be part of it and help us make it even bigger than what it is at the moment so we're, we're really stoked yeah honestly it warms the heart it warms it, the heart of does. all the hard work that you do and you slaving away in sydney um <laughs> to know that people actually enjoy what we're doing and want to be a part of it it's really cool yeah oh honestly i mean it's been great to hear uh from you know players that we love and respect you know being so excited wanting to come back on the show uh coming up with ideas for the show and like being like, Hey, I really want to come on and talk about this. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. So we've got some uh, awesome guests to come up later on uh, in the year. Uh, but for anyone that listens and you've got a question about ice hockey in New Zealand, wherever you are in the world, send it into us. Uh, we'll do our best to get answers for you. That's what we're here for. Uh, also, you know, we're all about promoting the game, but we also want to hold those uh, in charge accountable. Cause we just, we want this game to be the best it possibly can be for players and fans alike because uh, you know we're all in this together it's a small it's a small community but you know we all freaking we're all diehard hockey fans here um so here we are we're opening the invitation for you guys if you're in a hockey community in new zealand and you feel like we should feature you we've been getting this uh this a little bit as well lately uh with the queenstown cup there's the kiwi masters coming up in dunedin uh there's tournaments happening in lake tekapo uh the hot ice tournament which sounds freaking amazing i wish we could go down there for that. I'm really hoping we can figure something out there. Uh, so if you have a tournament or anything going on in the world of New Zealand hockey and you want us to, you know, you want us to talk about it, you want us to promote it, we would love to hear from you. Um, but before we do that, we've got a really special guest, Joe. We're going all the way to Nova Scotia. It's a hell of a long way to go. <laughs> hell of a long way to go. Um, you had a great chat with um, a man named Dustin Hall. Uh, who was he toured New Zealand in the Canadian Moose, um, who I actually played against a long time before he came here. <laughs> um, they're like a Canadian, kind of like an invitational side. Um, came and spread the word of hockey to to the outreaches, um, and you caught up with them. 
yeah, sit back, guys. You're going to enjoy this. This is a really interesting look back on what New Zealand's rinks were like 16 years ago. He came to New Zealand back in 2005 with the Canadian Moose, which is actually the same time as the British Lions. So sit back and enjoy this, and we'll be back afterwards. All right, joining Puck Here Podcast all the way from Nova Scotia in Canada, we have Dustin Hall, who's all decked out in his nomad hockey clothing. Uh, you've probably no doubt seen them on Instagram. They've got some really awesome threads all about their ODR hockey culture. How are you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great, Logan. How about you? Yeah, not too bad, man. I know this has been kind of something that's been in the works for a while. Um uh, Dustin is, I guess, one of the OG supporters of the podcast, so we really appreciate that. But the main reason like, why we wanted to get you on is you played in New Zealand all the way back in 2005 uh, with the Canadian Moose World Traveling Hockey Club, um, which was founded way back in 1989, so it's been going around for a while. How did you get involved uh, with that team? It's pretty much as random as you can get. Uh, I was in university and I was looking at doing teacher's college and uh, there was an ad um, for teacher's college in Dunedin, New Zealand. And I was like, oh, like that seems pretty wicked. I'm, I just wish you could go check it out. And I was talking to my friend about it and she was like, you know, my uncle runs this hockey team called the Canadian Moose and they go down to New Zealand every year. And she's like, I know you love hockey and you play hockey and she's like, why don't you send a message and see if you can get on the team? And I was like, like, do you have to be any good for this thing? Cause like, I'm, I'm okay, but like, I'm, <laughs> I'm no great talent. And uh, sure enough, she sent me his email address and I, I got in contact with him. And uh, next thing you knew, I was like signed up for the Canadian moose and I was going to go down to New Zealand to play. And I thought, you know, while I'm down there. I'll check out the teacher's college in uh, Dunedin while we have a free day. And uh, long story short, before, we ever got to New Zealand, I had changed my mind, decided not to go to teacher's college. So it was a bit of a moot point, but yeah, it got me a great trip to New Zealand out of it and a uh, hell of an adventure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, of course, 2005, uh, that's a long time ago, 15, 16 years now. Things have changed a lot. What were the, like, what rinks did you get to play at when you were in New Zealand? I don't remember all the rinks. Um, we played in Auckland, Christchurch, and Queenstown. Uh, I remember Queenstown best. Um, I remember that it was still like open and uh, there was no glass and there was mesh. And uh, we had a bunch of guys get injured because they went to brace for a hit. And you know, normally you brace for a hit against the glass, but when there's no glass, you're not bracing anything. So you just slam your, your ribs right into the boards. And uh, we had some guys with some fractured ribs and stuff like that out of that. but. Uh, yeah also um the fan experience down there in in queenstown was phenomenal like it was packed and i don't know if it the, the low roof uh low ceiling kind of amplified that atmosphere but it was just fantastic it was probably some of the best hockey atmosphere i've ever played in and um yeah we also i remember christchurch had this the huge mural painted on the wall like all around um like mountain scenes and stuff like that and i i think they had mesh through most of the sides, but I think the end was still glass at the time. And uh, it was it was weird, just you went to bank a puck off the glass and you put it out of play. And uh, it, it was kind of cool because it was different. Um, we'd never played anything like that before. Like 
um, yeah, it was a really, really different experience. And then at Christchurch, we also had, I don't know if it's still like this in Christ, Christchurch, but uh, our dressing room was upstairs. Um, so, you know, when you're exhausted after like a hard skate, walking up those stairs to the dressing room was like extra hard. Um, it was also fun. Like we had a pretty good crowd in Christchurch, if I remember correctly as well. And um, yeah, then uh, Auckland, where we started our trip, I can't remember. I think it was, no, I, I don't want to even guess which, which rink it was because I can picture it in my mind, but uh, the name of it, it, it didn't mean much to me at the time because it was just a rink in Auckland. Um, again, same, we had the, like that mesh and um, yeah, it was just, just different. It was just like, oh, that's how it's going to be down here. We got to prepare for that. But you still, you, you couldn't get it in your head that, you know, there's no glass in certain areas. It's just, it's habit. You, you try to do things, you've done things a certain way. Uh, I was in my early 20s at the time and, um, you know, I started hockey when I was like five. So since I was five years old, you know, back in the day, you were told like, you're on your ass off the glass and you know, there's no glass to put it off of. <laughs> so, uh, no, it's pretty good. The ice was pretty good though. Like, uh, I don't remember thinking that we had bad ice. Um, you know, maybe it wasn't like perfect ice or anything like that, but it, it was pretty good to my recollection. Yeah. So that, that's such an awesome program. Um, I've only been to one, uh, Australia rink while I, while I've been here, which is, uh, the Macquarie rink where the Sydney bears and Sydney ice dogs play out of, but it is still very similar to that kind of experience where they, they don't have the glass. Um, they have netting, they, they, ha they have it up during the public skates. Um, of course, any, anyone that knows is basically any of those kind of rinks, the public skate comes first uh, over hockey. Hockey doesn't make money for the rinks, uh, but you really get that sense there. It's like hockey is in and out, get it in and out really quick um, so we can get the public skate back on and, and make money. But when they bring down the netting and then, you know, sometimes in the AIHL, they hit really hard and I, I've definitely seen a, a few rib ticklers. The commentary box is up there in the uh, in one of the corners, and uh, I saw a few. And I'm surprised I didn't swear on the mic because I was like, "Damn, some of that shit must have hurt." Um, now I know with with Queenstown, that's awesome. You see, if you go there now, they they're really proud of their history. Um, Ted and Dan uh, Graham do an amazing job of that rink. And, you know, they've got a lot of hardworking people amongst that team too. Uh, they have photos around the rink that show the history. You see that sort of open air vibe, which is what you would have experienced. Um, I never got down to Queenstown, uh, during that time. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was still like when you were traveling, uh, 2005, I would have been, uh, in university in Hamilton, poor student. I, I didn't have the money to go anywhere. So, um, it's really cool to hear what it was like then versus what it is now. And you obviously still keep tabs on New Zealand hockey. That trip left quite an impression yep. on you. Um, and when you see, say the ice blacks and the ice ferns now, or you watch any of the NZHL games, when you see those teams then to what you see now on the live streams, like, what do you see? I see like such an increased talent level. Like I think of when I went, um, I probably could have played, I think it was like the first year of the NZIHL when I was down there, something like that. Uh, I probably would have been like a, like a second liner on one of those teams at that time. Um, now I'd be hard pressed to be a fourth liner. Like that, the skill levels come up so much in the last, well, obviously it's been 15 years, but um, yeah, like it's amazing. And same with the ice blacks, like, 
you know, New Zealand has this habit of, uh, you know, punching above their weight class and uh, in kind of all sports and hockey is no different. It's like, you don't expect much, you know, from a country with a population, what you have there and with the few rinks that are in New Zealand and yet they come out strong and um, yeah, they're just improving so much and having this additional NZIHL team uh, will be pretty awesome too for helping develop players. I think you might, if especially if there's no imports, if they do a league this year, a season this year, you might see like a quote unquote watered down version for a season or two, but that's going to develop so many players that in the next few years, it's going to be just exponentially better. When you think of traveling and the Canadian, you know, Moose Will Traveling Hockey Club, um, is it, are you still in contact with them? Like, are they still traveling despite obviously, I guess, the world that we live in right now? Well, right now, everything's on hold. I've, I've kind of been in and out of contact with them over the years. Um, I was actually speaking with uh, Mark at some point last year, Mark, who runs the team. And uh, he kind of hinted that he was hoping to get another trip back to New Zealand again um, before too long, which would be fantastic. Um, But yeah, they've done tours elsewhere, like uh, Iceland and Scotland and things like that. And uh, um, I've actually got a, a guy that I'm working with and we're trying to put together some hockey tours as well. Of course, then COVID hit and everything kind of got put on hold, but uh, we were looking kind of at a UK thing to start with. Um, we both kind of got some contacts over there and um, yeah, I got this dream of like sending, going back with the team to New Zealand one day because yeah, I just loved it there and just, you know, the people were fantastic. And like, I remember we played against the Ice Blacks, uh, I think it was in Queenstown. And uh, so in 2005 it would have been when the Lions were in New Zealand. And uh, oh, yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know until last week i watched a, a show on prime where it was uh, i think it's called all or nothing and it was about the all blacks and i didn't realize because i'm not a huge rugby fan uh, i'll casually watch it um that how big a deal that thing was that the lions were visiting new zealand that's like once every 12 years i think it is and uh, we just happened to be in the country while it was going on and uh, so after one of our games we went uh, to our hotel with uh, with the ice blacks and we were watching the rugby game with them and like you know, we had just kind of gone to battle with all these guys and uh, we're just all like very friendly and just like having a blast together um, afterwards, which I think is a very regular hockey kind of thing. But it was just like a different post-game experience than we're used to. And um, now I kind of understand after seeing this documentary just why it was such a big deal. And uh, at the time, there was a rumor that um, Prince William was going to come drop a puck at our game in Queenstown. Uh, I don't know whether it was true or not, um, <laughs> but the airport got closed due to fog. So um, we were told that, oh, Prince William is supposed to be coming tonight, but um, the airport's closed, so he can't come. And uh, the next day, we uh, were supposed to fly to Australia, yeah. and we got fogged because of the fog. We got fogged in and had to drive to Christchurch to fly out, um, where we ended up. Uh, flying to just part of our team flew to Brisbane to play the Blue Tongues, which is was at the time uh, in the AIHL. And uh, it was the only uh, game on the whole trip that we lost, unfortunately. Uh, we were on TV and stuff in Australia at the time, uh, but we were so exhausted. We just had no sleep. But uh-huh. um, maybe that's yeah. part, part of why I like New Zealand better too. <laughs> Didn't lose. <laughs> 
let's talk about nomad clothing. Of course, you, you're rocking it all there. It's that's it's kind of like who you are. Um, yeah, there are there's a few clothing companies out there uh, online tailored towards hockey fans and hockey culture. Um, but what sets Nomad apart? What's like the what's the mission of Nomad? Uh, we're basically just about fans who love the game and will do anything to find their way to it. Um, our kind of our catchphrase is uh, "Follow the game," and uh, it's a double entendre. So it's it's it kind of harkens back to when I went to New Zealand. It's kind of where the idea comes from, to be honest. And uh, it's the idea that hockey can take you anywhere. So like I've followed the game to New Zealand and Australia and I've been to Austria and Switzerland and, and places and um, to watch and play and stuff. And so there's the idea of following it like physically, like you think of how NHL players follow it to like Sidney Crosby from just down the street uh, is now in Pittsburgh and has played all over the world. Um, but it's also the idea of follow the game the way that most of us followed as a fan. Like uh, I'm a Penguins fan and, you know, no matter where I am, you know, I'm keeping track of them and keeping tabs on the Penguins and, um, you know, as well as like, you know, international events and stuff like that. So like I follow the game in that way. I follow the game physically and it's just kind of that idea that, um, you know, hockey is a great sport and it's not just in your backyard, it's everywhere. And uh, there's opportunities everywhere. And that's kind of the idea behind it and, um yeah, it's uh, kind of, like I said, grown from traveling to New Zealand and, you know, coming back home and sharing those experiences and just uh, the wonder and awe that people have when they hear these stories from you um, that didn't even know that New Zealand had hockey. And uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's it's not like you'd think. Uh, it's way better. And, um, yeah, I just love hearing that. And I love seeing the game grow. And, uh, yeah, we're all about that. Yeah, we uh, we get that a lot in New Zealand. Um, when the when Canadians drop into the live stream, they're like, "Oh, we didn't even know uh, you guys had hockey down there." <laughs> uh, one thing that really um, caught my eye when I when I first um, discovered Nomad Clothing was uh, your connection with uh, Mikhail Grabowski, uh, who was he? I think he just finished uh, playing with the Maple Leafs at the time, because now he's retired. Um, so, what's what's the connection there between uh, Mikhail and Nomad? Yeah, Grabo is now uh, coaching in Belarus um, for their only KHL team. And uh, it kind of just came about by chance. Uh, so he, um, I've only spoken with him one time. Uh, uh, he's he's more of a silent partner, um, but he's he was looking at doing a project um, and he and his business partner in it wanted to call it Nomad Hockey. And so basically they were like, okay, does anybody own this? And they, you know, quick Google search found that, oh, this, this guy in Nova Scotia owns Nomad Hockey. Well, let's get in touch with him. He seems like a small company. Uh, and instead of just, you know, buying me out, they decided to um, become partners with me. And uh, so because he is now uh, coaching in the KHL, he's put his uh, other plans on hold. I don't want to get too much into it as what his other plans are. I don't know. Um, how open that all that is. Um, but he, uh, he's got that on hold for now. And, you know, once that does come around, hopefully that, that, you know, bolsters the, uh, the profile of Nomad Hockey, the brand, as well as, uh, what he's looking to do. And, uh, not sure exactly when that'll be, especially now with, uh, uh, with COVID having all these travel restrictions, but his, his plan is travel related. And, um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see where the future, what the future holds for us. Um, but um, 
yeah, hopefully we got some some big things coming in the future, and um, I'm really looking forward to the day that we can announce that. <laughs> Thanks again, Dustin Hall, for taking the time to hang out and chat with us on Park Here, all the way from Nova Scotia, a beautiful part of the world that I really want to get to someday. If you want to catch the rest of that interview, you can do so on our YouTube, that was only like half of it. We really touched on some awesome stuff, some really interesting stuff like uh, climate change, how it's affecting pond hockey, uh, especially in that part of the world. But I mean, it's, that's not something that just affects Nova Scotia. It's affecting everywhere in the world. And of course, we talk about the NHL outdoor series, something that um, we're all excited about. Yeah, sure, uh, yeah. Yeah, but before we get into that, we've also got the Queenstown Cup coming up. We're going to be live streaming that on our YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash Subscribe if you haven't already. Click that freaking bell and get the game notifications. There's going to be uh, some awesome hockey, some really awesome hockey, I might add, uh, coming out of that tournament. The Traveling Goons are making their way down from Auckland. The Wakatipi Wild are coming back for it. And I think you're going to see a few Stampede players. So that is going to be really exciting but first we got it we we got to get into a new segment that we're going to have on the podcast every week now the random non-hockey question of the week we're going to get some debate going here guys what is the strangest park you've ever been to joe now you when you send this question through i i tried to get all really weird on the answer like i was going to say some weird <laughs> car park um because essentially that's a park um but I would have to say the weirdest one that I ever went to was inside the Vatican. Um, you can, it's like a, obviously you're going to a whole other country. Uh, you go in there and there's just these beautiful gardens that you can just walk around, um, which was just the weirdest, weirdest place. Like you go through the Sistine Chapel and everything, you go look at the, the paintings and everything. But outside of that, it's just this whole beautiful garden area, like a botanical gardens, but inside a whole other country inside a country it's <laughs> really weird so that would definitely be the the one that i'd say is the weirdest park i've ever been to what about you uh mine is completely different to that uh under wikipedia it's it's labeled as a historic cemetery and urban park it's the saint thomas rest park uh here in crow's nest new south wales uh, in the, uh, I guess, the lower North Shore of Sydney. Uh, it's interesting. It is, it is exactly what that it, what it says it is. Uh, there's a cemetery. It's kind of where the settlers are all buried. Uh, people that sort of helped create North Sydney and founded it. Uh, but then around that, there's there's a lot of history. There's like a little walk uh, with, you know, placards. You know, it's kind of like a little bit of info, a little bit of a museum going on there as well. But then it's also a dog park. Like, oh, I go yeah. there I go there with my daughter to uh, so she can see the dogs. And then the last time I went, there were kids playing uh, cricket, like playing backyard cricket in a cemetery. I don't know, can you get much weirder than that? That is very um, kind of horror movie-like, <laughs> script-like. Like, those kids... I know they sell their soul to the devil in the cemetery to become Shane Warne. <laughs> That's his origin or like story. Or David yeah. Warner, maybe Manus Labuschagne. Just <laughs> going through all the most hated Australian cricketers. Um, yeah, that's that's fucking weird. That is weird. So send in uh, your strangest park that you've ever been to i'd love to see some of the responses we get out of that uh next week though on our podcast is gonna be uh it's, oh man i've been looking forward to this one for a long time uh liam stewart joe is a guy that we've been trying to get on the show for a long time 
Uh, we chatted to him a little bit while he was in New Zealand playing with the Sky City Stampede. Of course, now he's uh, in lockdown in the UK, which, man, you got to feel for everyone there. It's a horrible situation that they're in. Uh, I mean, like a lot of people around the world, but I think this just really highlights uh, how well New Zealand has it right now. So it's a really fun interview, and here's a little teaser. But yeah, I think Spyro was one of the most fun times I've had, kind of going back to that era as well just such a simple game and you're like yeah like you play Mar- i wish i i want to if i get back into it i'm gonna stream like mario kart and like all those kind of games as well which is just like just fun games to be around yeah I you like say. i had a lot of i had a lot of fun with uh, those kind of games and yeah. like i know what you mean like games these days are very like heavily complex um yeah. with their like game mechanics and their like controls and everything and then you jump back into something like Spyro or Mario or Sonic and you're just like, oh, shit. Or like Crash Bandicoot. Like, yeah, you're like, was oh. this game this hard when I was a kid? Like, I just, I can't remember. Because well, like on the uh-huh. boss levels, you'd be like, oh, dad. Or my dad couldn't do it. But I, who would <laughs> I ask for? I don't even know who I'd ask for. I would love to see Rod Stewart playing in the oh, Spyro. fuck. I know. <laughs> I'd love to see him just hold a controller. So Rod Stewart playing video games. What do you reckon about that, Joe? Oh my God. I like the New Zealand Herald would pay so much money to see video footage of Rod Stewart playing video games. And so would I actually just like, Oh, that is, that is, that would be a sight to behold. I think. And why doesn't Liam just move back to New Zealand? Get out of, get out of the UK and come back here to the utopia. That is New Zealand. Good way of putting it. I mean, I it's on the cards. I think it's it's definitely something he wants to do. I know it's just it's really hard for people to actually, I mean, leave the UK. You're hearing stories uh, here in Australia. A, a lot of Aussies are stuck over there and they can't come back. I think they just cancel so many flights. It sounds like a nightmare over there. So um, anyone that listens to the show who is over there, uh, we're thinking of you guys. We know it's a shit sandwich of a situation and we just hope that you're all staying safe and looking out for each other and doing whatever you can to to get through this and look after your look after each other and look after your mental health uh but that's it for this week's podcast guys make sure that you are subscribe on uh spotify apple Podcasts, and youtube hit us up on instagram and facebook joe and i will be back next week see ya